Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist with uh, a website, 3minutetherapy.com. And we discuss all things related to REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, which was devised by Albert Ellis in the 1950s and created a revolution in psychotherapy. If you want to know more about Albert Ellis, just Google him, and he's written over 80 books. Today, we're going to be discussing perfectionism and imperfection and all things related. And I'm here with my podcast partner, Mick Berry, REBT expert. And we have a special guest today who wrote a book on perfectionism called Making Peace with Imperfection, Dr. Elliot Abrams. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Abrams. Um, Cohen. Oh, I mean, Dr. Cohen, Elliot Abrams is another (laughs) REBT therapist. So we're here with Dr. Elliot Cohen, author of a great book on perfection, perfectionism called Making Peace with Imperfection. And... uh, I'm tempted to say it's a perfect examination of imperfect of perfectionism. Could you hold up the book longer, Michael? I wanted to read the subtitle. The subtitle, I'll read it. The subtitle is Discover Your Perfectionism Type, End the Cycle of Criticism, and Embrace Self-Acceptance. So that seems to go from the A to Z of perfectionism and imperfection. Uh, Elliot, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, um, I'm originally uh, have a PhD in, in philosophy and um, have uh, spearheaded the movement in the United States called Philosophical Counseling. I founded the National Philosophical Counseling Association, which is the premier um, association for philosophical counseling in the United States. And I did that in 1990. And um, I've also, uh, based on on uh, the, the great influence that uh, Albert Ellis uh, had on my my work, developed a form of uh, REBT called logic-based therapy, which is a highly philosophical variant of um, REBT. And so I do a lot of work there. I'm also uh, involved. I'm, I'm actually currently um, getting a, uh, a degree in social work. So I've, I've been uh, doing uh, work uh, in uh, con- con- uh, actually relating uh, logic-based therapy and REBT to the context of uh, broader context of social work, which is largely systems-based approach that... Um, emphasizes strengths, which is very consistent with the kind of approach that I take, because in LBT, we we, we, we introduce virtues, uh, and uh, that's the strength-based model uh, of, uh, of logic-based therapy, which is quite consistent with social work. Um, I've developed, I've written about 30 books, um, many of them on um, logic-based therapy and philosophical counseling and applied uh, philosophy, which is the main area. I see um, 
the work that I do is is as outgrowths of this the area in philosophy called applied philosophy and and Albert Ellis was very much into a, a philosophy and uh, so I was oftentimes you know his um, uh, on call philosopher uh, when he he needed some uh, philosophical insights that uh, I could provide and uh, so that's a bit about myself and my work. Okay, great. And uh, you, your book, Making Peace with Imperfection, is quite a uh, exploration of imperfection, the types of, imperfect, of perfectionism, the types of perfectionism, and how to deal with it. So why don't we start with uh, defining perfectionism? Would you define that for us? Sure. Um, there's there's actually we we could say two two types of perfectionism, and one type is is um, adaptive. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with it, and I call that aspirational uh, perfectionism. So what is what is aspirational perfectionism? It's it's aspiring uh, to be perfect. Uh, but realizing that you're never going to be perfect, and so it's 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 your mark. So you you strive to be better and better, to the to striving to the highest reaches of of human excellence that you can get. But you don't you don't you know uh, bang your head against the wall when you don't achieve it because you realize that you know you can always be better. You just try for. Uh, the the highest that you can go, and so that's 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 considered healthy adaptive types of perfectionism. But there's another type of perfectionism which is demanding perfectionism, and this is maladaptive. Not only do you shoot for the stars, but you demand that you land on them, and 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 this creates problems because uh, you're not never going to reach what you're demanding. So there's a a, a dis you know, a, a, a disequilibrium between reality and what you're what you're aiming at. It's unrealistic to demand that you achieve perfection in a world in which perfection's not typically possible. And uh, I I think you know it, it's interesting because there's so many people. I did a survey um, once of uh, close to about two thousand um, students. Uh, very, very well diversified, you know, in, in their, you know, their demographics. And uh, about 50% of them, uh, you know, were demanding, at least 50% were demanding perfection. And which is, you know, interesting about it is that um, it's it's so unreal, unrealistic. It, it, it's so irrational to demand that you achieve something that you're not going to to achieve, you know, it's either impossible or unlikely that you're going to achieve it. And that's really fits the characteristic of a delusion. And so it, it, it's, it's sounds paradoxical, perhaps, to say that perhaps 50% or more of the population is delusional. <laughs> and, and, and the problem is these are, you know, kind of oftentimes accepted people you know, say, oh, I'm a perfectionist. And, and by saying that, they're, they're kind of giving themselves a putting a feather on their cap. But it's, it's actually creating a lot of problems. But, but what are the problems that perfectionism create? 
well, there's there's behavioral and emotional problems, but there's also physical problems. You know, it's just, it creates a lot of stress to demand that you you achieve perfection and and you fall typically fall short. It's going to go somewhere. You could take it out on yourself if you demand perfection of yourself, and so uh, you deduce uh, self damnation from you know demanding achievement that I achieve. You know, my goal, I achieve my goals perfectly at, at all times. I, I end up being down on myself. Uh, and so that can create depression. Um, it can create anxiety as well, because if you demand perfection and, uh, you know, you tell yourself, I have to achieve perfection, in, in, you know, in the future and you fall short of it, you know, and, you, and, and, and you're going to be depressed, but you're also going to be anxious in advance. You know, I mean. Is a roller coaster ride of, of uh, frustration. So there's there's that problem. And um, if you demand perfection of others, then you're going to be angry at them when they fall short, you know, of, of that perfection. So it creates a lot of stress, and it and it leads to deleterious consequences uh, of your health as well. I mean, there's and if you, um, also Elliot- physical exhaustion. There's there's mental uh, health declines, self care is lacking, feelings being overwhelmed, and and much else. So it's and also problem. Elliot, this would you agree? There's demanding perfection of the conditions of your life. So that's a third area of demanding perfection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you use different areas of your life, your work related areas. Uh, I I must achieve perfection in my work. And if I don't, you know, then I'm 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 worthless or I'm I'm you know a failure. I must achieve perfection in my relationships. If I don't achieve perfection in my relationships, then I'm a failure, and 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 so forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you you talk about in your book. You talk about uh, a six step method to uh, cure overcome perfectionism. Did you want to? quickly review that? Sure. Um, this is part of the approach that uh, that's called logic-based therapy. And the first thing is to identify your emotional reasoning. And that's the first step. And emotional reasoning is the reasoning that drives, you know, your, your emotions. And in, in cases that are stressful emotions, uh, that would be the emotions such as anxiety, depression, anger, guilt, uh, among others, and um, emotional reasoning is is um, built from uh, two elements: uh, that of of um, the object of your emotion, what you're upset about, and your rating of that emotion. So, if I say that. Um, uh, I I failed my um, I failed at a particular activity at work. I, I messed up on on a on a um, on a you know task that I had to do at work, a project. Therefore, I'm a failure. Uh, essentially, uh, my object is is failing at work and uh, rating it as uh, rating myself, which is an a- an aspect of the the uh, object as a failure. And the emotional reasoning would be if I fail at something, then I'm a failure. I failed at the job, you know, that I was doing at work. So therefore, I'm a failure. Um, can so, we say emotional reasoning comes from demands 
putting demands on yourself well, or others? Well, many of much of it does because if you look at the the premises of what I just said, if, if I if I fail uh, at something, then I'm a I'm a failure. I did, so I'm a failure. Well, why do I tell myself that if I fail at at this task, then I'm a failure? Well, it's because I'm demanding that I never fail. I must not fail. So you see, we we deduce the um, uh, the the rule there that if uh, if I fail at something, I'm a failure from a demand for perfection. And then when that reality, you know, butts up against. Uh, reality, reality butts up against this demand. What happens is, uh, I it, it, the the energy, the nervous energy goes somewhere. I mean, it either goes attacking myself or others. Uh, but you know, so that you know bleeds into uh, the deleterious consequences. You know that I was talking about previously. So that's the first step. The second step is. Uh, to identify the the fallacies, you know, in in the reasoning. Here, an example that I gave, you have perfectionism at at, at the top, you know, of of that um, hierarchy of uh, reasoning, and you also have self damnation. You know, if I fail, if I didn't achieve what I must achieve, then I'm a failure. Uh, so you identify the faulty thinking, which is self damnation on the one hand, and um, the, the demand for perfection that drives it. And then what, what you do in the third step is you refute the irrational thinking. And the irrational thinking here is I, I must succeed at, at everything I, I do in, in, my, in my, my work life. Um, is that reasonable? And, you know, we talked once about, uh, I think, believe I was on some time back, uh, and we talked about the different types of um, refutation. I mean, we had a session on refutation. So that's the third step. And, you know, there could be pragmatic refutations. Well, you know, it, it's self-defeating to, to demand that you would try to achieve something that you're not going to achieve. It's just going to frustrate you and mess you up. And there's, you know, um, logical problems with it, too. You're demanding that, that you achieve, you know, and you never mess up. Do you do that? You make that demand of others, maybe not. And so then you have inconsistencies in your belief system. And so another problem with the logic, would you agree? Another problem with the logic is it says, because I prefer to be perfect, uh, therefore I absolutely must. But that's yeah. not that's a non sequitur. A pre preference doesn't equal a must or a demand. That's right. Yeah, just because you prefer that that you you succeed doesn't mean you must. And so another another way of ref refuting it is to point out, well, you're confusing preferences with demands, you know, must with preferences, and that doesn't work. And so that's the third step. The fourth step here of of logic based therapy is um, innovative uh, here uh, because it systematically relates different. Uh, irrational modes of thinking, different fallacies to virtues. And uh, these are what we call guiding virtues. For instance, if you demand, if you, if you, if you're self-downing, you know, you damn yourself, then the guiding virtue of self-damnation uh, is, is unconditional uh, self-acceptance. See, so um, it, you automatically know what you have to work on. Uh, because that's the guiding virtue of um, of, of self-damnation. 
And the guiding virtue of perfectionism, demanding perfection, uh, is what's called metaphysical security. That is security about reality, realizing that, you know, reality is imperfect. You're never going to be perfect. Reality doesn't accommodate that. And so you, 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 metaphysical security means that you're secure about the imperfections in reality. You're secure that there's uncertainty. You're, you can't control everything, that um, human beings make mistakes. They're fallible creatures and so on and so forth. So once you have the, you know, the, the, the guiding virtues, then uh, according to the fifth step, you identify a philosophical and uplifting philosophical idea that um, helps to inspire you towards that virtue. For instance, well, what could, what could make you feel more self-confident, more um, self-accepting? Uh, what kind of philosophical ideas? And this question is one that's open. In other words, there's many different types of philosophical approaches that you, that people can resonate with, but you can't oh, Elliot, dictate Yeah, Elliot, before we get to the sixth step, Mick, I think Mick is back with us. Mick, can you hear us? Yeah, so I really love your terms, aspiring perfection, and then was it self-defeating perfection or no, demanding perfection? I think yeah. that's a really good delineation because when you mentioned the title of your book, um, which is Making Peace with Imperfection, I don't know if I ever make peace with imperfection, but what I personally do is I accept dissatisfaction about my um, not achieving the perfection, but I can see that what I've done for myself is mm -hmm. uh, to aspire to do something as well as I can and accept that I'm probably not going to. And I think baseball is a perfect example. Every time a player goes to bat, they try to get a hit, and they, if they're batting 333 for the year, they had a great year. So, um, yeah, and then also uh, in defining perfection, uh, in defining it that way, I thought that was very good. I once heard Albert Ellis define perfectionism as attempting to achieve the impossible, and I think he was referring to what you called demanding perfectionism, because aspiring perfectionism is accepting, ah, it's going to most likely be impossible for me to achieve perfectionism, but I don't have to. And again, in baseball, uh, Don Larson pitched a perfect game, but how often does that happen? It's the only time it's ever happened in the World Series. Right. Pitchers always try to pitch the best pitch they're capable of. Yeah. Sports is a very good example, too, because that we once you demand perfection, you end up with anxiety because even a ball player is maybe even he's at the top of his game at one point. That doesn't mean he's going to be at the top of his game later on. So there's always that anxiety. Well, what happens if I fall from grace? What happens if I screw up on the next game? Uh, so there's right. this. Yeah. It's, so it's constantly, you know, the stress is, 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 uh, is there, even yeah. when you're doing well. This, this is a fascinating discussion. We do have a limited time on Zoom. So I Nick, wanted to throw out to one thing quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mus music is also a very good example example 
Nietzsche said, without music, life is a mistake. I say with music, life is many mistakes every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a, as a fellow musician, I, I, I can second that. It, 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 <laughs> but you just keep going on. If you make a mistake, you continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Elliot, is there a way people can reach you if they want to contact you about uh, the subject? Sure. Um, I have... Uh, I can be reached at uh, Elliot D. Cohen, E-L-L-I-O-T-D, as in David, C-O-H-E-N.com. That's my personal website. You can also reach me on Psychology Today. Uh, there's a, a way of contacting me. I, pub, I write a blog regularly called What Would Aristotle Do? And uh, you could contact me there. There's a place to contact me as well. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. You can look me up there. So there's several different ways of contacting me if you, if you want. Uh, so I'll be happy to hear from uh, the, those here in, in this uh, podcast. Last thing on musical perfectionism, Cab Calloway with Heidi, 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 hi, forgot the words and threw that in. It became his signature. And Caruso once had an aria where he had to sing a line three times and he got something caught in his throat, sang the first one, went to the wings and spit came back and sang the third, and then on everybody sang the first, skipped the second, and sang the third, because if that's what Caruso did, that must be the way to do it. Sometimes your mistakes end up being the thing that is the best thing about you. That's right. That's right. So we can very, very humorously laugh at ourselves and say, hey, you know, join the club. We're all human. And uh, it can be your, as you say, it can be your your um, your mark of excellence to be mistaken. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, a fascinating discussion on perfection and perfectionism and making peace with imperfection, Dr. Cohn's book. And uh, I thank you, Chris Rossini, our tech engineer. Comment below if you have thoughts on the subject. Give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed it. Suggest subjects for future uh, podcasts and volunteer if you'd like to be a guest. Elliot survived, and I'm sure you would also. And subscribe to the 3-Minute Therapy Podcast to stay on the rational side of life. <laughs>